to So You Want to Be a Leader, really a Defy Expectations podcast. I'm Vicky Hampson. And I'm Helen Honeyset. We're here to explore the highs and lows of leadership today with our guests. And also help you navigate the complexity of being a leader from every aspect, from the very sublime to the totally ridiculous and everything in between. Our guest is Michael Magrouche. He's going to be sharing with us some of his fascinating insights into what makes great leaders and how we can really drive our own leadership capability. One of the reasons that I was really excited about having you as a guest on this podcast is you've got a completely different perspective. I know if I look at myself and Vicky and I look at the majority of our guests, we've all sort of been good soldiers. We've gone up the corporate ladder. We've done the things we've wanted Mm -hmm. to do. You've come to leadership and this huge passion for leadership from a completely different perspective. Can you tell us a bit about your story? Yes, it's about dyslexia, as you know. I was a sick child, so I didn't even have before dyslexia a nice childhood. The world works. My world never worked. I was literally, I think, a 36-hour birth came out, and I was just hitting the wall. And I hit the wall till about 50 because of unawareness, even though I tried everything because the drive to belong is not like the drive of procreating. You want to just belong out of your DNA. We are herd animal and the power to experience our own uniqueness and power is through other people, not through us. We are just the product of it. So I have zero education. When I hit school, I wasn't even aware of dyslexia. I couldn't regurgitate because I was always good with people. And that was because it was asthmatic and eczema and allergies. I think I had to really rely on other human beings. You know, you had you had to rely on other humans. So my survival wasn't low. I'm the, the nice little boy that can do whatever he wants because at that time, boys were much better than women, right? System definition, you know? So systems made us women and men because the king went and said, we need warriors. What are you going to do with your woman? Just stay at home. And there was the first separation. And then when we conquered further, we separated more. But that made us bad leaders too. You know, the, the system definition and categorizing to manipulate or to run a state, to run a country, and England knows that. It's probably the best. It's probably the on the top of that, right? Uh, Especially also, after last year, being a little <laughs> bit of an embarrassment. Yeah, all this stuff comes, and it's a natural progression of humanity. I understand that, and people were unaware, and they, you know that's what we thought we we had to do, and and then I went to the class, and I, I couldn't. I just couldn't. And I'm, as you see, I have a strong spirit, and that's not my my doing. It's just because a lot of other dyslexic people don't get old, you know. They ADHD neurodiverse people. And it was like literally, I'm okay, even though with my my health and everything, I'm okay. But then when I went into the system of school, it was like stop. And it's not as hard probably today as it was 40 years ago, but it literally was and I couldn't comprehend it actually. I, I recall when I when I couldn't regurgitate or I couldn't read in front of the class. I I just couldn't comprehend that. I couldn't comprehend that it was impossible when everybody can do it and I can't. And obviously they could do it better or worse, but then I said, what the hell? Why? What's going on here? 
and I wasn't aware of that, obviously. I was I was in the moment trying to, as every adolescent or child likes to survive day by day, to, to learn what is it to be physical first. And then your parents teach you how to be a human in social context. And then in a bigger social context becomes the school. The most important about schooling is the social interaction that you learn. You expand from your family, which could be good or bad, to a social environment and a culture of school. I have to find three superpowers that humans have. Number one is creativity. Number two is human dialogue, like what we have not right now, healthy, not I'm right and you're wrong. And the third is adaptability. And we need adaptability to make systems and humanity work. So in order to find your puzzle piece in the puzzle, you need to adapt for, which I see that you take a puzzle piece, right? And you try it if it fits. And this is unveiling you. And then once you unveil yourself through the social interaction, all of a sudden it fits. And cleaner it fits, the more you will be respected by others, seen by others. And sometimes it doesn't fit good. You just have to push it in. And that's why not everybody is successful. And that's why you're not also not, it's not your fault when you're successful, right? There's no best leader though. Those puzzle pieces that don't fit and have to be pushed in or those ones who conform. I think the best leader, the ones that don't fit. Mm. And the, the ones that just can't fit in. If you look at, at another level, like, Alpha, beta, right? If you look at a beta person and the beta person is not a beta person. So I've tried to be a beta person and it goes reverse too. Uh, so I don't fit in the median of a bell curve. That's what systems do. Systems are built for the median of humanity. Anybody that goes outside of the bell curve or below is an outsider. So that shows you alone the limit of systems because everybody is unique. There's one of one, 8 billion people, one of one, everybody. So the system has a hard time to define what is normal. It can't. If you ask any system, okay, what is the normal thing of, for example, IBM? Or what is a norm in Apple? They can't define it. It's, you know, from that system. What is the norm in British, what is the norm in Austrian? What is the norm in America? It's no norm because especially which we all see now, we are all interconnected through the internet. We all have to rely on the human connection, not what's defined right now, what we do in the world. And that's what we're untangling is we're using our creativity to eradicate each other. And that's only possible through not seeing that the double-sided mirror is systems. So on the other side, you can all say, oh my God, it's horrible. We have to pay tax and the tax system is horrible. But on the other side of tax systems is a mother with three kids that has to also support their kids. So she's got to get a more creative tax system. And you on the other side, three kids, you said, I got to avoid paying taxes. So we all, but we all the losers because we're wasting energy life energy and life or life essence on navigating through the tax system or cheating the tax system or on the other side is creating taxes that can't be cheated. One of my top three values has always been integrity. And I always talk about one of the reasons that 
has sort of propelled me to keep doing what we're doing here at Defy mm. and this passion for leadership has been this absolute like rear up that this sense I feel when I see bad leadership and I'm on the receiving end of it and I've just realized that's been my absolute eternal driver to pursue this no matter what I sorry I was trying to find a moment to dive in here because yeah. You're going into some really, really interesting areas. And there's a, a little section I want to go back to, if I oh, if I may. Absolutely. So Helen asked you the question of maybe who makes the best leaders, because you were talking about mm -hmm. things that don't fit. And, and you said it was maybe people who don't fit or those who don't fit. I've got a few questions around that. Go ahead. What, what is it they should be fitting, first of all, you think? And I'll ask the questions and come back to them. And then... Let's talk about, does this sort of bring you back to this idea of outliers? So first, back to that first part of the question, tell us a little bit more in, from your perspectives and this very rich thinking you've got. Mm. Those who don't fit, what do they look like and what are they not fitting? I'm always looking at nature as a template because we are still, as I remember, part of nature. And if you look at bees, I, I just saw it two days ago and it was just lightening up in me. Just, just look at bees. The bees look all the same, right? The queen doesn't look like it. It doesn't fit. It, is, it doesn't look, it doesn't feel like it. It has different structure, life, everything. You know? What I'm saying is through the non-fitting, this is such great, great through the non-fitting, you become self-aware. If we would all fit, if we all, and that's basically in our in our world, our non-fitting, because I don't have never met a person that says, you know, I'm fit. I was a fit, you know, Got it. Uh, yeah, yeah. we all we all feel like this. We don't fit. But that makes us also the adversity of that makes us self-aware. Yeah, I really I, like how you brought it back to that. This sort of misshape, this not fitting yeah, in the cookie cutter exactly. makes you so much more aware of where you need to move. And I'm going to go back to one of your other points which is one of the three, which is around adaptability, mm -hmm. which I just naturally feel as though it, this is part of your description. Would that be mm -hmm. fair to say? It's That's why we have ability to the self, the, the adaptability is this. It's, okay, I don't fit, but our DNA drives us to be inclusive, right? So it's not a conscious thing. It's not like, oh, I want to be inclusive. Like Elon Musk wants to be inclusive, you know? The biggest rebels in the world want to be inclusive. That's why you have all the superstars. When they're famous, they become infamous because everything they want to do is being part of the whole. And we are not aware of being part of the whole because the system constantly separates us in genders, races. Now they want to do it in sexuality. And there we see we are too fluid. It is, and, and the adaptability is, I think we adapt and obviously we adapt. It's not really us, right? So I'm adapting to you. It's not really me. But then I adapt to fit in with you, to have a conversation with you. And in that adaption, I'm becoming aware. So if I come here and say, I'm you two girls, I'm going to run you. Number one, you're girls. I'm a guy. I'm better. So I'm system defined already that I'm better than, than girls, right? And then I put you down and then I say, listen, you We're want to laughing know about at this leaders? Point. <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, telling you about what leaders they are and you better listen. I cannot grow at all. I cannot connect with you. And it's a waste of time. 
if I come system defined system as super system navigator and if I come system defined I could never grow I so, see I must see you as humans I must come to the conclusion naturally not by systems and that's like everybody is a human so one of the things that sparked my journey into really understanding what great leaders were was the realization that I didn't do it like everybody else did and I wasn't doing it how I was being taught what you're saying is that that teaching that systemization that we're given from such a young age yeah is driving that diversity and actually creating bad leaders mm -hmm. absolutely so when people walk into that leadership role they're set up to fail already 100% I love your I love that that what you say what wonderful could, what could young people do today to sort of because the other thing that I've also noticed is that self-awareness and sort of wisdom does scarily come with age. What could we what could we do to share <laughs> and support young people? That's you know, excellent. In their, I, I people in their 20s who are still desperately trying to sort of fit, fit up, in. Like, yeah. make sure that they create yeah. a place and role for themselves. What could we say to leaders to help them or you know, sort of those young aspiring leaders to help them become more self-aware so they can actually break that cycle earlier? First of all, it's not only since young, it's it's over generation. And that whatever happens over generation gets locked into the DNA, that system. We live our humanity through systems. We don't live our humanity as part of nature and in in relationship to nature. We live our humanity in our man-made systems. We experience, awareness comes from experiential living, and we live it in a system. So we are born in a hospital, we have a religion, we have school, everything is a system. So we are hardly out of the system where we can just talk. That's why this is kind of out of the system, because we're just three people that, that find each other and talk. What I would say to, to kids, so we're looking outside. So the system have conditioned ourselves to look at God or a leader outside of us. And that makes us makes this distorted thing of leadership. And, and if kids, but kids doing it, I see that kids today do it. They say, hey, why should we do it like you guys, baby boomers? You work your whole, whole life off. Everybody is the same. We want inclusion. They have a strong, and I think that's the nature that's right now aligning to everything, have a strong sense of what's right and wrong. They try to also systemize that because they found, okay, everything is system. So we have to systemize what is mindfulness. Mindfulness is having a feeling, having tact. You don't need to be politically correct to know what human tact is. There is no mindfulness for you and your wiki looks different, right? Than for me. We just try to adapt to what that's supposed to mean, you know, but it is just be human. Mindful mm -hmm. that it is nothing else than being human, but system has defined that human are mean. You never hear of the, of the family that do a good job raising their kids. You never, you always hear system distorted people. You never hear from the inmates in a prison that are actually doing their time. I'm going that far. You never hear from the guy that goes to prison, does his two years, and goes out and gets a job again. You never hear about this. You hear about the one that riots, that gets out. It's always the disturption. And then now we, through our adaptability, we just come, okay, 
okay, that's what people are. And then project that on you, Helen, on you, you know? So thinking about creativity, Michael, as one of those superpowers, there's a lot of positivity and huge positive energy in creativity. Yeah. One of my big crushes when I was younger was Ken Robinson, who was the educationalist. A weird crush to have, I know, but he always thought <laughs> that creativity was bred out of us. Yeah. How do we bring creativity back into these systems? How do we break the system from inside by using these superpowers and bring also some of that positive energy back? Look at this interview. I'm a product of creativity because that's where I survived, literally. I couldn't find anything. I was a lost child. You know, I just had to repeat. And so I went on vacation with my parents. And I listened to Gimme Shelter from the Rolling Stones. Literally the whole cassette. And I couldn't stop listening to it. And that made me enjoy that vacation. Hey, at 30, I realized, hey, creativity saved my life. You're right. And... Then I said, I am an artist. And the realization that a lot of established artists don't have that they call themselves artists is exactly what you said, Helen. Because the conditioning of, hey, we need your creativity. It's not worth anything. Systems don't pay a lot. And we need to have all your creativity to help us make better systems. However that looks. Make a better iPhone, make a better sneaker. But you creating a painting or your kids doing a finger painting Irrelevant. The last book that I wrote, this Smart of Art, what the inspiration was, 97% of artists worldwide are living on the poverty level. They're existing on a poverty level. And that bothered me so much because it saved me. Literally, an art is such a powerful thing where somebody could relate. It's the master communicator of art. It's our only universal language. An Inuit person can create something that the whole world understands. And reverse, we can create something in the Western world, in the established industrial, supposedly the best world, and everybody in the world understands it. So we have one universal language. And for some reason, that is that is completely ignored. The, the creation process, it's just about the product. Imagine if, right, imagine if for a moment we could putting our creative heads on, yeah. we could sort of future forward and kind of visualize a world that had actually been able to push creativity into the souls of kids within schools and push it through yeah. the curricula and prevent this 97% of artists being on the poverty line. You know, and we're in a place where creativity has been bred through the next generation. It's accepted widely around us. And it, it, and it makes for this space that you talk about, which is mm -hmm. everybody bringing a different perspective. Mm -hmm. That to us is kind of the epitome of what makes for leadership at all levels. So, so with that imagine if thinking and going back to what you do and some of the areas we want to explore within this podcast, I just want to ask you for a minute, you know, why is it that we feel so good when we do something creative? If there is this opposing force that there is this potential of being in poverty mm -hmm. versus this amazingly feel great feel-good factor when something creative or artistic is done, can you help us understand and our listeners and aspiring leaders understand how could other leaders use this way of thinking and acting and your philosophies to drive greater happiness and more well-being in workplaces? 
Beautiful. You basically answered your own question. Did I? Yes. I mean, I hooked into that part of your question. How do you feel good? Why do you feel good? <clears throat> it's because you're in time space. When you create, you cannot think while you're creating, unless you're doing some medial task in creating. But if you create right now, you cannot think at the same time, I have to pay bills. I have to meet my girlfriend. I need to call this person back. It's impossible. When you do a task that you really need to focus on and creativity you have to focus on because what art is versus a directed creativity, the difference between art and directed creativity is art is you creating something new. You're creating something. You have an interaction with your non-physical self. So I'll give you an example. I have a blank canvas. I And I just saw, you see something. Oh. The pink in the back there, Vicky, the post-its, the pink and the green. I'm picking up those pink and green post-its. And I say, this pink turns me on. And the combination of that green and chartreuse and, and, and pink. And I'm going to just, what comes in? So you start going in and out, in and out, in and out. And say, okay, okay, let's see. I'm going to do it. Okay. Sir, it's square, but I want to do a circle in, in thing. So my communication said, don't just copy the square make that pink a circle. And then I'm just keeping, you know, how can I integrate that chartreuse into that pink circle? And you feel you feel it just going, jumping back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And all of a sudden, okay, I make a line through the circle. I make a chartreuse line. And that energy of the chartreuse going through the pink circle has a lot of energy. Yeah? And that resonates with me because I, as you see, I have a lot of energy. You know, So my spirit is, you know, spirited work, and you see it on all my paintings. So this is how would how would the clearer you are, and you see, I can verbalize my process because I started a movement in 2015 that's called the self-aware artist. So you know what you do, why you do it, and you can verbalize it to others so other people can get on the road of, and that's what a leader does. Yet when you verbalize what you do, not just saying, you know, shut up, do this. And go in your chamber and don't come out before you have it finished. So you can verbalize what what you wanted from people. And that comes with self-awareness too. Verbalizing is, is, is communicating. The better communicator you are, the easier life becomes. Because you can say what you need. I was dyslexic. So communication, but I learned that through creating art. Not through looking at art. Looking at art is very helpful. That's how we relate to each other. That's why art is the master communicator because they're relating stories. And that's why discourse and podcasts to relating to others. We need the campfire and telling stories. And podcasts is the new campfire. It's like we three met each other and we just talk. And that's very essential. That's human essential. And that's why you all, we all three feel so fulfilled doing this. So, Michael, how do you get your classic yeah. Bay Area corporate executive? Exactly. How do you get them driving that self-awareness? How do you get them to engage? Is it just the case of say, hey, go and pick up a pen and paper and start drawing, start engaging with art as a medium to understand yourself? Or is there a set process that you do with leaders to really help them drive that self-awareness? First of all, I say hire us three as a team. And the second thing is 
to find yourself, not to do what we say, but we punch you into shape to find yourself. Like I mentioned before, we try to fit in. And so if we were humans, we are part of nature, never forget that because we can eradicate ourselves and nothing, the dinosaurs don't exist anymore and nature keeps going. So we don't need to save nature. We need to save nature in the context of human survival. We don't need to save nature. And do you aware that 80% of our civilization problems are because we have lost the awareness to use systems to nurture human potential versus we submit to systems. No system has ever given or not yet officially life to a human, and it should never be able to take a life, human life, because we are the gods of systems, but we are not the gods of humans and we are not the gods of nature. I'm saying it in that I want to be outside of, I want to stay out of religion, but I have to say it like that. Okay. So I want to keep going on this subject. Keep. And so I'm going to give you a Friday challenge because tomorrow will be Friday. Could be listening okay. on any day of the week. <laughs> and my Friday challenge to you is that if you had one day to change the mindsets of those leaders in these very large global corporate organizations and help them break this obsession with hiring from the elites of North American higher ed, yeah. the top mm -hmm. higher eds in Europe, you'll know mm -hmm. them. I'm not going to call them mm -hmm. all out. So that we create very different workplaces for the future. We bring those generations through that have been allowed to thrive with creativity mm -hmm. and the type of thriving that has taken you beyond just striving. It's put you mm. into a place of thriving. So how would you do that? If you have one day to make this happen and change their mindsets, how do you get them to move? We need to be humans. If Elon Musk wants to get all this, has all this wealth, he's the richest guy. So he is the best monopoly player of all monopoly players, all humans to play monopoly. Okay. Doesn't mean anything about his humanity. Doesn't mean anything about our human potential. He was at that, that space and time, he was the best monopoly player. Like Winston Churchill was the best prime minister at that time. But that's it. Was he the best human? Was he the best thing? No, he was system relevant at that time. But I believe that humanity is way more than being a good monopoly player. Look at this podcast. Do you need to talk to the top people? to create value, human value. Look at us three. We are not system, the top system relevant people, but we can be fulfilled by incorporating our thoughts, our minds. That is, you can input that on AI. And without adaptability of humans, if you take adaptability of humans away, system would collapse. System can only work with humans. The moment you take the human out, systems are irrelevant and they won't work. So you can't put them above humans and we cannot put ourselves. We need systems. I'm not saying, oh, revolt. That is not the answer. That's a system answer, by the way, like lazy, that in nature, there's no such thing as lazy. So thinking about that community you've built around the software artist. Yeah. What are the learnings you've taken out of that? So one of the words I like using instead of leader sometimes is role model because yeah. i think to your point it's a better better word yeah 
you are part of the team. You're not anything more important than anybody else. And if we start thinking about leaders as role models instead of leaders as hierarchical, what have you learned from that process over those last eight years building that self-aware artist community that have been... Big aha moments for you where you've gone, holy cow, this is what I can share with others. The moment you can verbalize your essence, what I found most is that everybody has value. Everyone has a unique value. The more you know that value, the more to discover the value, the more you can verbalize that value, the more the person feels fulfilled the more self-esteem a person has. That verbalizing your value and that everyone has a unique value piece. Yeah. To me, there are times when that's incredibly easy and there's in times when it's incredibly difficult. But also there are times when you find people who just struggle so much to be able to even engage with that concept. How do you approach those individuals and help them get to that point where they can articulate what they can give and what they bring as unique human beings. Okay. So I tell you from, from where I worked. Okay. I was in the hospitality business my whole life because I'm an artist, right? And it's more human centric, right? So I make everybody of the team a superstar. So I would make you a superstar. I verbalize the words. Yeah. I would make a word for you that reminds you of you. This is but then you have to be self-aware to see it in others. So the fact that I can pick these things up is creativity because I'm a creativity awareness educator. That's actually the most fitting thing for me. There's no system that teaches you that because it's almost saying there's one system that teaches you humanity. Humanity is so intricate, there's no one system, but I can teach you communication and make you aware, not teach you. I don't teach you anything. I, I make you aware and then you run because you can't undo awareness. See, that's yeah. why awareness is my, if I tell you, you ask me, you know, in a lot of podcasts, what is your word? What is your goal? I said awareness because you can't undo awareness. That's what I would suggest for you when you talk to these leaders, say, you know, you can't undo awareness, knowledge you forget. Look how many people have Harvard, Oxford, Cambridge, they don't know anything unless they stay there and keep teaching or whatever. Go in, get your MBA, get your whatever, and then you forget everything. It's not about knowing a lot. It's about awareness because awareness helps you in every situation. Humans are like animals. Look what animals do. First thing, they don't even know each other. They start playing. Play is a part and play keeps you in your essence. It keeps you finding the essence. All of a sudden you say, oh, I didn't know I have humor. I didn't know I have, everybody has it. Be a human. I mean, Michael. Yeah, go ahead. Can I bring us to another question that we often put to our guests in our podcasts? It's going to be very interesting with you because one of the things here at Defy Expectations we love to do is think about what are some of the really good defiant pearls of wisdom that our guests could maybe share mm-hmm. with aspiring leaders? Now, In your case and with our conversations, I think I could write a book with Mm -hmm. your defiant Mm -hmm. pearls of wisdom. Mm -hmm. If I gave you another challenge and said, pick one that is a great defiant pearl of wisdom for an aspiring leader, what might that be? I think more than any other human, 
awareness trumps everything knowledge system relevance anything awareness trumps everything michael thank you so much it's it's such a fascinating topic it's so much it's, it's so much yeah so you know, it's been fascinating, and there's been so, as Vicky said, there's so many different sound bites that we've picked up on. There's just so many different aspects here about awareness and really starting to think about our lives and our human experience differently. Mm. Creativity, um, creativity, the importance of it within yeah. schools, the education angle, which is very important to our business, has been in our communication. Communicating, you can't communicate through AI. AI doesn't get, there's no growth in AI. If you talk to a machine, where's the growth? Yeah. I mean, if you just talk to a machine to be satisfied to get where you need to go, I mean, in some you way, can case, transact. You know, it's great yeah, to it, transact, but there's no emotion. There's no, there's yeah, no true yeah, engagement. It, it works with Google Maps, but it doesn't work with a customer service. You give yeah. me so much insight and inspiration and so many recycle with pride statements here. And I've been looking at some of your amazing artwork as well, Michael. Yeah. It's mind blowing. Well, if you've been as inspired and somewhat mind blown as we have been with our amazing guests and the conversations we've had, please check back in as we're going to be running these regularly. And we're covering every aspect of this kind of skills leaders will need to continuously develop, evolve and thrive. Do look at our website, defyexpectations.co.uk, as it is packed with tips and inspiration for you. Also, please make sure you hit that follow button. We look forward to being with you on our next chat. Mm -hmm.